You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. And belly on up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. His name is Ed. Socks in the basement. 30 minutes of socks brought to you by Cork and Carry at the park. You heard the ad at the beginning of the show. 33rd and Princeton in the shadow of the ballpark. The award-winning menu of burgers and ballpark favorites. Two-for-one burgers when you dine in on Mondays for non-socks home games. I actually met somebody the other day, Ed, who tells me that her and her husband hunt for burger deals. And that's how they plan their meals. They're, they're burger aficionados. They just look around looking for, for, for deals on hamburgers. Yes, that's what they do. She brought this up to me, and I was like, well, that's kind of crazy. How many times do you go out for burgers a week? And she's like, two, three times a week. And we just look for the best burger deal to get, like, the best burgers at a low price. And then she starts rattling off places around the south side and the nights to go there and get burgers. And I was like, well, Cork and Carry at the Park is two for one, and they've won a couple of awards. She's like, Really? And so it's like she's like, I'll go tell my husband. So, so I mean, it's something to keep in mind if you're a burger hunter. I didn't know that there was such a thing as a burger hunter, but but I guess that there is. Okay, so 33rd and Princeton Shadow of the Ballpark. Get over there and uh, see more at CorkandCarry.com. And I, I had promised everybody that I was going to be there Tuesday night. I had promised that. I said that on the last show, and I was That's not true. There. Yeah, I was I wasn't there, and I, and I I want to apologize and just kind of explain it because there were there are two reasons why I wasn't there. One reason, slightly not the most pleasant thing to talk about. The other reason, feel free to mock me. Okay, so we'll start with the slightly not not really pleasant thing, and then we'll get to. So, so the thing I shouldn't mock you for goes first, and then I can mock you roundly at the end of this. Okay. Mock me on the second one. Okay, so mock me on the second one. Okay, so here's the deal, guys. Uh, you've been listening to this show for a long time. Uh, you listen to me, you listen to Ed, you listen to us talk about the White Sox, you listen to us every once in a while, refer to our you know, our families, I talk about my kids, I talk about my, my life here, I talk about the nine-foot homemade oak bar, you see us out in public, and I will tell you this, this has been the most difficult month that I've ever had in my entire life, and I do not want to get into it too deeply, but I will tell you some very simple facts about what has happened in the last month, just because I want to explain why I flaked on everybody at Cork and Carry at the park because I was going to go. I was going to buy beers. I didn't even tell the guy over at Cork and Carry at the park this yet, uh, and and I feel bad he's going to find out on the show. But it's just been so difficult to explain what's happening here without one getting emotional and two getting worn out by just talking about it ad nauseum. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna just do it right now. Break the seal. Be done with it, and then we can all move on. So a month ago, I'm out of town, and a terrible incident here happens at the house. The police were called to my house. It was a domestic incident. When it was over, my children were removed from the house for their own safety. The next morning, DCFS showed up at the house, and my wife was told she no longer could stay there. An order of protection was issued on Monday morning at domestic violence court, and I was given the kids, the car, the house, the dog, everything. And then I just sat there in shock over what had happened while I was out of town. And now I'm going through a divorce because in my mind, there are certain things that you just cannot put up with. And my children are the most important things in the world to me. And I have been dealing with this now for the last four weeks 
and trying to do this show and run this network. And it has been very difficult. And so I have flaked on some things. I've missed a few events. I haven't been at things that I said I was going to be at. I've missed out on guests. I've had some guests that were planning on being on certain shows on the network. And then I've had to explain to them like, look, man, I'm not normally a, just a flaky idiot. I'm just dealing with a trauma and raising three children on my own now as a single dad when a month ago that I didn't even think that was possible. So there's a lot going on here. It's been really difficult. And I do just want to say to all of you out there, uh, those that knew and those that are learning now, and I'm sure there'll be people that will reach out. I appreciate the support and, and, and everybody's been very, very nice about it. And a lot of people keep reaching out and saying, are you okay? And you know, there's a reason the future stocks thing, like they were going to be starting with us a couple weeks earlier, poor Mike Rankin. I kept telling him like, Mike, Mike, my life is like upside down. And then finally I had to tell him what was going on. Cause I was, I was flaking on him, getting them onto the network because of everything that was going on over here. But you know, the number one thing is sometimes there's something that happens so badly. Your number one thing is watching out for your kids. Your kids are your number one priority. Hell, they're my number one priority all the time. They're the reason why I do this network because I wanted to be around for my kids and to help them through the things that they were going through. And so now, you know, I'm fortunate that I'm here and I'm able to help them and your support of Socks in the Basement and the rest of the shows on the network, trust me, that's all the help we need. So, you know, our, the plan is to push forward. There may be an episode every once in a while where Ed has to jump in and kind of run things. Because I, uh, I don't know. I felt like today I got pulled away for several hours because of things that were going on. And I just have to stop working sometimes and do it. But the goal is to push forward, keep doing this because I love doing this. And it's important I do it for my kids because this is what supports them. This show and the rest of the shows on the network. Now, the thing you can mock me for, Ed, is the fact that in the middle of this entire thing, for some stupid reason on Sunday, I decided to play in a 16-inch softball tournament. I was like, I'm getting out. I'm going to have a day of normal in the middle of all this. It's super Sunday in the church league. And I'm going to go play in a, in a 16 inch softball tournament at 46 years old. And I played really well in game one. The problem is after all the stretching and the strain and the fact that we won the first game and moved on to game two, I was late in a game trailing, leading off an inning and was not going to be out at first base when I laid one down the third baseline. And, you know, at 26, that's an easy one I can beat out. At 46, there were three noises. The first noise was my foot hitting the bag, immediately followed by the pop of my hamstring in my right leg, and then the ball hitting the guy's hands at first base. So spectacular dig of the, uh, of the, of the ground ball, and then going down as if a sniper shot me from somewhere else in the park and laying there and realizing that life just got somehow slightly harder in the middle of all this stuff. And I'm walking around with a wrap on my leg, my friend. So, first of all, I wish you would have told me about the first thing before I found out on the show. Oh, come on. You've known um, about the first thing for the last month. You I, I know. I'm kidding. I'm I will kidding. tell you this. I will tell you this. Ed has been one of the most inval invaluable people in the entire world because from the moment that everything was happening, I had Ed. And Ed was there to give very, very sound advice that was in the best interest of me and the kids. And God bless him for being there for me. And you, you're a wonderful friend. But yes, uh, you knew that. But now you see, I have this rap. And this is the crazy thing. When I got back after the injury, I look at my daughter and I could barely walk. And I'm like, your father's so stupid. And she's like, I know. And I'm like, no, you're supposed to say I'm that stupid. She's like, no, no, pretty stupid, dad. We kind of need you around here these days. <laughs> like, yeah. she's like, she's like, you know, you really are kind of running everything these days, big guy. I mean, we really, we need you to be able to be 
mobile and walking around. And I'm like, look in that closet there. There's a bag. And she goes, what's in the bag? I'm like, every brace and wrap and and medical thing that I've ever collected in 20 years of playing adult sports. And she's like, what? I'm like, go ahead and reach in there. And she pulls out this one thing. She goes, what's that? I'm like, wrist guard, left hand. She's like, what's this? Wrist guard, right hand. She's like, you've heard both wrists? Oh, yeah, keep going in there. And then she pulls out this boot. And she's like, what's this for? It's curved different. I'm like, that's for when you, you tear your Achilles. Like, there's there are so many injury wraps in there. I've got stuff for my ankles and stuff for my back and, uh, and everything else. And then finally, she pulls out this one. I go, that's the one I'm looking for. It goes around my thigh. I'm going to wrap this around my hamstring and get back to work around here. But it's amazing. As, as you get older, the amount of wraps that you have in a bag in some closet someplace. Well, and... and you know, I, I'm I'm right there with you. You know, I've got I've got the closet full of uh, full of wraps and bandages and, and things like that. <laughs> but what I don't have is I don't have the bravado to tell uh, to tell me and to tell Acoustic Mike from Southside Pod on Saturday night when we're down at uh, Oktoberfest. That's right, we were out there at that. Yeah, yeah, we we were all out there, the three of us, and uh, and you're telling us about how. At age 46, you're mocking the young guys on your softball team because yeah. you'll put one down the third base line and hustle and beat it out, and they're yeah. barely even running. Yeah, yeah, and, no, and no, you can true. still do that at 46. And uh, yeah, guess what? Uh, you should have thrown that out into the universe because evidently you can't really pull that off. Well, as, no, 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 no I did. Like I, I was, I was over the series. And you were safe over the series. Over the series, I was four for six over the over the two games that I played. And three of them were infield hits that I beat the first. I generally do that because I, I'm I, like, for some reason now, it's like I have nothing except put it down and hard and beat the throw. Like, I can't get it over to left fielder's head anymore, right? And, and, and the line drive is still such a difficult thing for me to be able to place. And so, in, in reality, I've now become somebody that goes, I'm just going to drop this down on the left side and try to beat it. And I generally do beat it, except I normally only play one game a week. In game two, on the fourth attempt to beat one of them out, that's when I popped the hamstring. So, I look, I can do it, but you're right. At 46 years old, I probably shouldn't have been bragging that I could do it because fate jumped up and snapped my hamstring. Right, exactly. That, that's my point, is, is that there's some things you just don't throw out into the universe. No. Because, you know. This is actually the perfect time to talk about Hyatt Home Medical Equipment before we get to the Sox nerd and the rest of the show. Because there's lots to talk about today. Chris Getz talked to people. And uh, we we have uh, Luis Robert Jr.'s uh, season ending. And I know that Sox nerd wants to talk about what Yoan Moncada has been doing lately. So I'm happy to talk about that as well. Uh, if you have mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, and you want to keep them out of assisted living, or let's say you're just an idiot that hurt his hamstring running down the first base line, they got medical equipment at Hyatt Home Medical Equipment in Evergreen Park. Switch to a new age of life. Make it so mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, or even you, stupid, can get around on your own and live independently. Stair lifts, ramps, grab bars, lift chairs, even bathroom remodeling. They got wraps there as well. Uh, they work with insurance, have 0% financing for qualified individuals. And if you mention socks in the basement and my bad hamstring, uh, you will get additional money off. CPAP machines, if you use them, switch. They're going to get supplies directly mailed to you. They also have the latest and greatest in continuous glucose monitors. Learn all about them at hhme.com or stop in and see them today at 3518 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park. (laughs) 
Joining me on the phone line right now, our good friend, Dave Marin, the Sox nerd, who's getting ready to wrap things up over there at the ballpark. What's the process like? Like, on the last day, Dave, do you just flip off everything that has to do with the scoreboard and not think about it until the next year? No, I do think about it. That's a great question. Yes, I think about it constantly. Uh, I'm constantly trying to come up with new stuff, new information, new stats. But yes, the con- I will leave the control room for the last time on the last day of the season and probably not come back until uh, late March when we fire it up again for good. Do they do they keep in contact with you? Like, hey, we're adding this or hey, we're changing this in, in case you have to go in and get used to something? Yes, we'll, yeah, we'll do that. There's always training that's always very good about that. And then I will, uh, I keep in contact with a lot of the crew because they're, they're our very good friends. It's almost, as I told you, it's like a big family there. And then... Uh, yeah, and then we all kick around ideas. It's a very, very creatively uh, healthy place to work. I love it. Well, another end of a season coming up here for you, and I know it'll be a little bittersweet, but what, what do you have for us in the uh, in the last week of the season? Chris, one of the few bright spots of the White Sox trudge to the finish line has been the play, dare I say, reemergence of Yohan Mankata. After a promising start with a 308, 325, 564 slash line in April, Mankata really struggled, hitting a paltry 152 in a 30-game injury-interrupted stint from May 22nd to August 7th. From there, Mankata has been the player we were all hoping he could be, or the player he was in 2019 when he hit 315 with a 367 on-brace percentage, 548 slugging percentage, and 25 homers. During the second-half surge, Mankata is slashing 312, 349, and 522 with six home runs in his last 38 games. In that run was a streak where he reached base in 26 of 29 games and homered three games in a row. Through it all, the good at bats and the bad, Moncada's defense has been solid, if not spectacular, at third base. The Sox could be entering a pretty productive window with Moncada. Heck, Frank and Ozzy were singing Yohan's praises on a recent postgame show. Moncada is signed through the next season with a team option in 2025, so he will be in the proverbial and all-important contract year next season. Getting nerdy with it, I like Moncada because he gives me good material for the scoreboard as one of the more prolific switch hitters in team history. He is third among Sox switch hitters with 91 home runs, and number two Ray Durham at 106 is clearly within reach next year. In order to supplant Jose Valentin's Sox switch hit record of 136 homers, Moncada will probably need that aforementioned option year. In addition... Moncada ranks in the top 10 in every major statistical category among Sox switch hitters except steals, average, and OBP. A brief follow-up on last week's zinger, Dylan Cease did reach the 200 strikeout plateau last weekend in Boston, making him just the third hurler in Sox history, along with Ed Walsh and that cut-up Chris Sale, to reach that number three years in a row. My zinger? On Saturday in Boston, the White Sox recorded their 264th one nothing win in their history, 266 if you count the World Series. Luis Robert Jr.'s homer was responsible for the win, making him just the seventh player in Sox history with homers in two one nothing Sox wins. The others are Taffy Wright, Jim Landis, Ed Herman, Carlton Fisk, Frank Thomas, and Jim Tomey. I could talk all day about one nothing Sox wins, but I'll spare you that today. That's it, Chris. More than you probably wanted to know about Yohan Mankata, Slash Line, Switch Hitters, and Taffy Wright. Do you trust Yohan Mankata? Because I don't. Nerd seems to trust him, Ed, but I don't. I wouldn't trust him further than I can throw him, and with our various backs and hamstrings, we shouldn't be throwing anybody. No, clearly. So, 
Yeah, clearly not. No, I, here's why I don't trust Yohan Mankata. I, I don't trust him because it's still at the end of the day, he's had one good season as a, as a member of the White Sox, one really where he really showed what we thought we were getting from the former top prospect in all of baseball. And the other thing is, is that, you know, he started out this year okay, uh, but, you know, he faded with the team. And, and when they still had some whiff of a prayer of turning this thing around, that's when he vanished this year. Because you, you look at his stats, he finishes up May 265 with a 730 OPS, which isn't, by the way, not not generational talent for a third baseman. Okay, not not a guy that you're sitting there going, this is the ultimate weapon in the middle of my lineup. That's that's competence. You maybe. know, a 730 OPS, a 730 OPS generally falls right around where the league OPS averages. You see it sometimes at 725 and sometimes at 732. He's basically an average OPS just for that month, even though he was below average this year with a 705 and a 256 average, even after you throw in his renaissance month or whatever it is. Well, and, and but here's the problem with the whole renaissance month. This is your starting third baseman, the guy that's supposed to be one of your foundational pieces. He ends uh, the game on May 31st against the Angels. He's got two home runs for the entire season at that point. So, yeah, he's hitting 265. So his average is better than it had been. But the, the 730 OPS is reflective of the fact that the guy's not getting extra base hits. You know, he, he got some doubles and a couple of homers in April. And then he, he basically doesn't do that all that much in May. And as June hits, it gets worse. He slowly declines, slowly declines to the point where by the end of July and after another stint on the IL, because of course he can't stay healthy either, he's down to 229 with a 624 OPS. And now he is firmly below average, right? And he's only tacked on one other home run at that point. And so, okay, let's say for the sake of argument that he got healthy. And that's when, you know, as his health comes around, things start to tick up. He still only has nine home runs. He still only has 19 doubles. He is supposed to be a cornerstone player in, in this lineup. And your third baseman is supposed to be somebody who hits for power, right? This is a power hitting position. And he was dog meat as a second baseman defensively. He could not handle that position. So he's hitting like a somewhat competent second baseman, but he's playing a power position. And I don't have qualms about him defensively, but this is not a $25 million man, even though he's rebounded to 256 and his OPS for the season is still 705. I know he's been hot this month. But no, I don't trust him. What I do like about this, though, is, is that maybe somebody else will think about trusting him in the offseason. Well, well, here's the thing. Nobody's going to give him that kind of money. I mean, Nerd is talking about, well, he's in a contract year because they're, they this is the last year before his option. So maybe we'll get like a, a great player here. He's really got to play well to be worth that much money. Right. I, I believe it's eight million dollars. We've gone over this before around eight million dollars. Some say eight and a half million for every win above replacement. So for him to be worth it, he's got to be over three wins above replacement next year to be worth $25 million. And there's plenty of guys that get that that actually outperform that. I mean, that's when you know you really got a good contract, but he's got to at least give you, let's say, realistically, three and a half wins above replacement. He, I don't see him doing that. And what's interesting when people make the argument of, well, you know, he's he's good defensively, 
So you got to look at his defense and things like that, right? I, I think of a guy, I went and I looked up somebody today, and you know, a little bit of a better batting average than Yuan, a little bit of a better OPS. So like, you know, Makata, look at what he did up to this point and even kind of extrapolate it out. Let's say this is what he is, right? It, so what, what is what did he do in the last month? His, his OPS is in the in like 730, I think you were saying, in the last month or so. So here's a, let's take a look at a guy like a Brian Hayes, who's the, who's the third baseman for the Pittsburgh Pirates, a defensive-minded third baseman. He doesn't do anything spectacular at the plate, but his wins above replacement because of his defense will give him over four war this year, according to baseball reference. Okay, so like here's a guy who actually impacts the game with his defense. Yuan Moncada is a serviceable defensive third baseman. He's not over there being Robin Ventura in his prime. He's not that. He's not Joe Creedy in the playoffs defense because he's not giving that kind of an impact when you actually break down the numbers. So to me, I sit there and I say it'd be almost impossible for him to live up to the contract. And even the defense over there doesn't make up for the offensive shortfalls in the end. He's not worth what he makes. He shouldn't be the third baseman on this team. And if Chris Getz would have been able to take control before Kenny Williams got rid of Jake Berger, it would have been interesting to see if Getz and a new regime would have said, we're going to play the best guy there because we don't care about the money that was given out by the last guy. That would have been interesting to see whether or not that would have happened because Yohan Moncada essentially is going to be the third baseman because his best competition was dealt this year by a bitter ex-front office guy of the Chicago White Sox. Well, and if you're talking about, you know, his defense is some sort of saving grace here, uh, his defensive run saved above average, and I'm going off of baseball reference here, is a negative seven. They need a solution at third base. I think you add third base to the list of places that the Chicago White Sox have to fill when we're going into the offseason if they want to compete next year because you have a serviceable left fielder in Andrew Benintendi. You've got an all-world center fielder. You've got nobody in right. You still have no second baseman. First base is a project. Shortstop is a question mark, but I think you have to throw third and catcher into that. And and basically, to get back to the point of Chris Getz not saying it's a rebuild, but not exactly saying that it's going to be a competitive team next year, they put themselves in a position where seven to eight spots on the diamond need to be replaced this offseason or soon. Yeah, well, that that's not going to happen. I mean, that's why, again, you got to really not look at 2025. I mean, you look, can't. I, I, I think Chris Getz sitting in front of the media is very different than if you had Chris Getz sitting next to you like in a pub or like in a brewery or something like that. Like you, you, or at a nine-foot homemade oak bar talking to a couple of White Sox fans who happen to have a podcast and a couple of extra microphones just saying, Mr. Getz. Right, I know. But, I mean, here's the thing. In front of the media, he's not going to sit there and say, you probably don't want to buy any tickets, folks. Because we're not going to be that good in 24. Like, he's not going to say that, all right? He Just like he's not going to say he's committing to Tim Anderson because I think he understands that that's a bad move. And I don't think that's in the plans. It'll be really interesting. Like, right. I'm looking at what he's actually doing. I'm not looking at what he's saying right now because he doesn't want to telegraph anything. If he was sitting at Hailstorm Brewing Company with us, the official brewery of Socks in the Basement, and he was having something to eat at the Scratch Kitchen, you know, open 11 a.m. for lunch, Tuesday through Sunday. They got smoked wings. They're really good, Chris Getz. You and me, we'll go sit down. We'll bring Ed, too. We'll have some wings. We'll talk about what's really happening. And then we'll just tell everybody on Socks in the Basement if you're microphone shy. Maybe that's what he is. Maybe he's microphone shy. And that's 
oh, why sure, 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 sure. he gives those kind of answers that are very vague because he's like, I don't know if I really want to commit to anything. I mean, I don't think most GMs like to commit to things. I think we're all kind of used to the lawyer speak of Rick Hahn. His was more of like, hey, we're going to take a look at it. Hey, give me a second to figure this out. I'll let you guys know when I know. And, and I think that that's pretty normal for most general managers. Uh, it is the season to be out at Hailstorm, though. They've got great beers. Their Oktoberfest is incredible. Uh, that tap room has the outdoor patio with a fire pit for chilly evenings. They got live music on the weekends, trivia nights. Get out to one of the best breweries in the entire Chicagoland area, the official brewery of Socks in the Basement. See more at hailstormbrewing.com. I'm, I'm going to look at what he actually does, Ed. I, I, I'm waiting to see what he does with TA at the end. I'm waiting to see what positions that he wants to address. I'm waiting to see all of that. I am going to try my hardest not to pass judgment. I already passed judgment that I wouldn't have hired this guy. I would have gone outside the organization. And his response seems to be, well, I get what you're saying, Chris. I'll go out and I'll get a bunch of other guys from outside the organization to come in here and work with me. So that, that's the one thing that's given me a little bit of peace here. I've got to cling to happiness when I can find it these days. I feel like I can at least give him a chance to get to the offseason and see what he does. And and actions definitely speak louder than words, especially when you're coming off of years of Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn talking as though they were having out-of-body experiences every time they ran the White Sox front office and that they weren't really there at the time, but the reporting on what somebody did, you know, what the pod people that were taking over their bodies did to make trades or, or to fail to sign guys. The, the interesting thing is going to be whether or not he can come to a point where he feels safe enough to say, we're going to be interesting next year. Okay. That that's if there's, if there's a word or a, a, a thought that I would be interested to, that I would want to hear Chris Getz say it, it's that he thinks there's going to be something interesting to watch. Not necessarily, not necessarily good. Yeah. Not necessarily good. <laughs> But just fun, right? right? Is there something is, is is there something that we're gonna want to go out as fans and get behind? Is this gonna be the bad news bears and some scrappy team that hey, if they if they catch lightning in a bottle, awesome? Or is this gonna be something where we're really looking at what the real core is gonna be around Luis Robert Jr.? Are we are we looking for something like that? Because if that's the case, uh, you know, I, I think there's going to be value in going and seeing them and there's going to be value in buying tickets if they are interesting. What we've experienced as White Sox fans, unfortunately, is more that they are moribund, right? They're just they're just bad. They're, they're unwatchably bad. And that is something that no season ticket holder is really going to want to sign up for, right? To, to something that is unwatchable baseball. Well, that's why they're giving out. That's why they're giving out the vouchers. That's why, that's why when uh, then people are saying, I don't know if I want these tickets anymore. They're already kind of like dealing with it because they are dealing with that kind of problem. I mean, look, what, what makes it interesting for you? Cause I, I know that I need to see somebody else out there in the outfield with Robert and Ben and playing right field that I find interesting. I, they got to figure out what the hell's going on at second base. Finally, I want to see Colson Montgomery playing shortstop at some point during the season. Like James Fox from future sacks has told us he believes that that's a good possibility. I want to see that, right? Like, I don't know what they're going to be doing at catcher. It seems like that, you know, the, the one kid that they got, that's the one from the angels. That is probably the, the future, or you would hope is, is probably not showing up next year. So what's going to be sitting behind the dish What's going to be in the rotation? There's, you know, that's the thing. He needs to address these things because it's not going to be interesting to me if it's just everybody shows up, like Pedro said. Everybody's going to get to uh, to spring training. It's going to be a big giant tryout. That is not going to be interesting to me. 
That's 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 rebuild stuff, and I'm not interested in it anymore because I don't buy into it. Okay, giving open tryouts to guys and telling me, trust us, we'll figure this out quickly. Don't worry, buy your tickets and come out to the ballpark doesn't interest me as much. So that's what that's what he has to do. He has to make it interesting. You know what he needs to do? He needs to get it to the point where I'm willing to actually go out and bet on the team. You know what was interesting? It was interesting back in 2020 when they just they just destroyed left-handed pitching. Remember that? It's just like this. Just, oh yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. Like you, I, if you were left-handed, you were done. Oh yeah. I had I had a, I had a buddy of mine who would who would tell me constantly. He would text me. He'd be like, "Bet on the White Sox," and I would look. All I would do is just look if they were seeing a, if they were facing a lefty. And if they were facing a lefty, I was like, "Yeah, bet on the White Sox." And he'd be like, "Really?" I'm like, "They just don't lose against them. They're just they're just so good against the against the left-handed pitchers. That's what you need to do. And if they become that interesting, then I'll go to the Sox in the Basement website at SoxInBasement.com. I'll click on SITB Sportsbook." And I will go to the preferred sports books and I will go bet. And I might use FanDuel's offer right now. That's up there. FanDuel has an offer on there right now. Bet five bucks, get 200 back in bonus bets. I did that. I bet five bucks on something, lost, got a $200 bonus bet back and won this week on it. So my $5 made me an awful lot of money. All right. Think about that. Just something to try out. Hey, if you lose, you lose five bucks. I'm not telling you to go do it. Because this is your choice. It's a personal choice. You got a problem? Don't do it. All right? But it's something to try out over at SoxInTheBasement.com. That's what makes it interesting for me, Ed. That makes it interesting for me, too. But, uh, you know, you're right. Tryouts and let's see if we can – let's see if if this guy's got anything left. Let's let's field a, a rotation of a bunch of Johnny Quatos from a couple years ago. Not not an interesting thing. No, uh, not at all. But, but sitting there saying, hey, we've got – you know, we've got a couple of guys behind Dylan Cease, and then we've got these guys in the minors that were traded for this year. Um, you know, we feel good about our rotation going forward, and and there's something being built up a little bit. That could be more interesting. You know, saying that we've got, you know, we've made a free agent signing. We've got a couple of these holes filled, or we've made some trades. We've got a couple of these holes filled. That's going to be interesting. That 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 will be interesting if there's a plan in place and starting to come together. But yeah, if it's if it's a bunch of quad A guys that show up to spring training, and then the usual suspects that the Sox have had so far. And Pedro talk. Don't forget the Pedro talk. Not interesting. No, no. Pedro talk is very very uninteresting to me. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.